Good evening, everybody. This is your host, Huge Pop, from the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. It's another Wrestling With Purpose Monday night with the CWF Rockwell. Tonight, I have my boy Rico on the bottom. Tonight, we'll be speaking with a New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Star, a member of the Stray Dogs, none of the, and another one of member of the 50 Caliber, Barrett. Welcome to the show, Barrett Brown. How are you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate the introduction. I feel, already feel special, so it's already going. We're off to a great start, y'all. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. Um, so, of course, well, we all, all are we're interested as a kid. I mean, Rico and I were our wrestling fans as a kid. We remember what we how what we were able to watch. What was your childhood like getting into wrestling as a fan? Man, my earliest memories were, uh, you know, I would, I'd watch Goldberg Spear guys every. You know, I'd watch WCW back in the days. Like, I've got some very early fond memories because Goldberg was my guy. That was gotcha, – he was gotcha. larger than life. I He was my dude. And, uh, you know, I uh, I kind of fell off of wrestling for just a little bit. But when I got back into it, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels was always my guy that I gravitated toward. Um, it was just something about the, the feeling that I could only imagine how it felt to be in his position, to just be under those lights, have those people scream for him. And uh, I don't. I just idolized him, and I was like, I want to know what that feels like. And one day, I'm going to know what that feels like. So my parents were always fans of wrestling, you know, from world class and on up to WCW, up to WWE. And uh, really, it was just kind of like I think they thought it was a phase. You know, they were like, oh, this will this will die, this will <laughs> die off. But it only kind of the the fire just grew larger and larger as I got older. And I told right. them one day, I was like, I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it successfully. And I'm one of the very few uh, wrestlers that I will say that they looked at me. They said, if you want to do this and if you dedicate yourself to it, then we will support you hundred percent. And they have been the cornerstone of my support system. I've been very blessed and fortunate with, uh, with my family and how supportive that they are. Um, I can maybe count on two hands over the last 14 years. Um, the shows that they have missed uh, in Texas, honestly, um, uh, my mom says I live uh, her dream vicariously through me. Huh? She loves this business. She loves pro wrestling. And she takes pictures at a lot of the shows. Uh, so they're huge fans. They get to watch her son do what you know they love to watch. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Man. That's awesome, man. Thank you for that. Here yeah, we go. You were saying like, uh, like you really liked Goldberg. So did you happen to be like, I don't know. Oh, did we lose him? What happened to him? Oh. I don't know. Where'd he go? We scared him off. We talked. Like, <laughs> so yeah, he's back. There oh, he is. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we didn't know what? if you were scared or what. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I got bumped to the bottom. It's all good though. All right. I heard I, Goldberg. Everything went black. All right. All right. Because you said you're a big fan of Goldberg, so I was going to ask you, like a lot of us did. Did you happen to be one of the ones that jumped back and forth from Monday Nitro to Monday Raw? Kind of go back and forth. No, I would, man. I was gung ho WCW. I really? honestly barely even knew that WWE existed. Really? Uh, I was, I was such a Goldberg fan. Like he just gravitated me toward that one show. That was it. That was all that existed for me. That's the only wrestling that I knew. I was like, if Goldberg's there, I'm watching it, and that was it. Oh man! So you should be able yeah. to get this question correct. That I'm putting you on a spot. Okay. Oh, now yeah. I'm gonna flub. Yeah. <laughs> WCW guy, you said it. Who is the greatest WCW champion ever? The greatest ever. Man, I mean, looking back on it now, Flair was the man. I mean, Flair was the man. Uh, I would say Flair or Hogan, but I'm going to go with Flair. David Arquette. David Arquette, I mean... I'll let you have that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Ahead, you know, no one expected well, it. No, no one it's did. Funny, it's funny you say about, like, how you didn't even know WWE existed. Right. Because I didn't know too much about WCW. I knew about Sting and Flair. Yeah. Uh, and that was about it. And I really didn't pay attention until Nash and Hall went that way. That's when I really started paying attention. 
Yeah, and I think it's pretty crazy too. Like just doing so much on the independent scene, there are so many fans, you know, of the WWE that don't even know that the independents exist. You know, they just think that wrestling is on TV and that it doesn't even exist locally in their area, like in a flea market down the road. They don't even know what's happening, and that's so. That's what's crazy to me. Right. And I was talking yeah. to a guy today. Uh, I'm more of an independent wrestling guy. I didn't realize I was until I took. I got my first taste of it in Panama City here at XIW uh, at XIW Extreme Impact Wrestling over in Panama City with Jackson Slade and Damian Wayne and all them. And uh, it was great. It was it, it was real feel, you know. And yeah. i and ever since I've been into the independence, I'm like I don't I care about the I watch the pay per views, you know. And I'll I'll flick through um, clips of Monday Night Raw, but I'm not a big I'm not a big mainstream fan anymore because you guys like I was telling this guy, you guys go out there and bust your butts daily, and yeah. to put on a show for us fans, and it's more realistic than anything I've ever watched. I think a big aspect of it too is um, the intimacy of indi- of independent yes. wrestling. Um, you know, you pay you pay a pretty good penny for the tickets to the big shows, but you don't get you'd be hard pressed to get some kind of like one on one interaction from one of the wrestlers right. at these independent shows. Like you've got a pretty good chance to get up close with one of these guys, Absolutely. and it's just you know it's like you're a part of a movie. You know, like it's mm-hmm. and you know you may make a kid's year Absolutely. just in that one moment. That's what's so cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, right there. So, uh, going back to like your childhood and stuff, man. Like, there was no other sports that intrigued you. You just dead set always on wrestling. It was always wrestling for me. Uh, I played football um, my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, I hated it, man. I hated it so much, and it wasn't even like the coaching staff. I just, it wasn't. I was like, I, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do, and it's not this. And uh, it was just, you know, I was in athletics, and I told my coaches because I, I got a call. Uh, my 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 mom graduated with a gentleman that actually ran a school down the road from where, from where my parents lived, where I grew up. And uh, she had happened to make a call to him. And when I found out that I had a chance to start training, I immediately told my coaches, like, I'm out. You know, I'm done. I, and luckily, uh, one of the coaches I was very close with, he was like, you're the only one that I will actually be proud of if you quit because I know what you're going to do. And he's like, and I think you're going to do it successfully because I know how much you care about it. And so I, I hung up the pads and I joined that wrestling school in just like this dude's backyard, man, down the road, uh, like right off the highway. Um, his name was Cody Cunningham. And he was a, like a local hometown hero. But a phenomenal trainer. Um, but he taught me the basics. And from him, I went to guys like Killer Tim Brooks in Waxahachie. Uh, Steve Anthony, who um, who used to be the head trainer at Harley Race's school, took me under his wing when I started really traveling. Um, Johnny Mantel had a hand in my upbringing. And then really, outside of those, before I went to um, – before I became like an unofficial part of the New Japan LA Dojo – it was really the road, like the road and the seminars really were where I honed my craft because a lot of out of state places wouldn't take me because I broke in when I was 15 years old. So I was extremely young, but man, when I turned 18 and I could get my licenses to wrestle, all bets were off at that point, man. <laughs> so can you walk us through what training's like? I mean, for those that don't know, for those that call the, your, your guys, uh, talent fake, can you talk to us what training's like? <laughs> I will, I will tell you this. It, it's like the most let – me, let me put it into, into perspective. We had a guy that trained like legitimate MMA show up to my original school. He took his first bump where he fell on his back. He got up. He said, you guys are nuts, and I'm leaving. He left. He didn't. He never came back. Really? One bump? Um, yeah. I'm saying he took his first one. He left. Um, I, I will say that you know, even when you learn how to properly fall like a stuntman, you're going through the equivalent of like a 45 mile an hour car crash every time you hit the ground. And me being a small guy, I'm the guy that gets thrown around. Like there's no denying it. I'm going to take like eight bumps at least during a match. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I, I, I think that the, the funny thing is how different training is at all these different schools, because um, there are some places that they focus on like, 
maybe it's like your cardio or talking or maybe somewhere else is about your finer aspects about how to chain wrestle or how to properly walk in the ring, how to get your base under you. I will tell you this. If you go to the L.A. Dojo, when Shibata-san ran it, when Kazuhiro Shibata ran the L.A. Dojo, that was the most physically demanding training I've ever been through uh, in my life. But I have never had a better trainer. And I've never loved a facility more. Um, it was the best I've ever gone through. And I'll put that up against any sport facility and any sport in the world. Um, it, I think that a piece of my soul died when Shibata uh, like left the dojo to go to wrestle again. I was so happy for him. But um, I was like, man, that's kind of like the end of an era for me. Um, so, yeah, I think like it's just so cool how how many schools are different. You know, you got like TV style, you got strong style, like Lucha. It's just I, I love it so much because there's really so many ways to do it that are all considered correct. And if you can learn a little bit of everything, then you're then you're made. You, then you can make your own style. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, is uh, Dan Severin still got his school going? I not that I know of, honestly. I wish I could have went out there, but not that I know of. I don't think so. Uh, that's I think my he would have been a great coach. My brother went to his school. Yeah. Really? He what really did he have it. any stories about that? He's yeah. got some stories about it. I, I wish he was on here. He usually does join us on Monday nights. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, I, I he's honestly got some feel like I feel like I feel like Dan's probably very similar to Shibata as a coach. I could I could get to definitely see that. <laughs> So, um, what is where'd your character be, um, evolve from, and what kind of entrance music do you um, play when you, for your character? What, how did that evolve? I, I think it was just like a lot of trial and error and evolution over time. Uh, I've always been a sucker for like hard rock music. Um, I'm kind of a mixing pot, like a, a melting pot of all different types. Like I listen to anything. But I want something that's going to, like, grab someone's attention and, like, you get people up when I walk out. So, I like, anything high energy or, like, something that's going to grab your attention, that's what I want. Um, matter of fact, I actually um, – I consulted with the same gentleman that uh, – if you watch AEW, he did Lance Archer's theme music. Um, I got with him. He made a custom track for me. Um, over time, um, I've had so many different nicknames, man. Uh, I, I went by the chosen one. It was like Blazing Barrett Brown at some point. Um, but naturally, um, I, I went by 50 caliber for a very long time, for about eight years. And the reason for that is because, well, my name, first of all, is Barrett. That is the name of a high-power 50 caliber sniper rifle used in the military. And uh, also, I've got friends in the military. And so I was like, you know, that's kind of like it, my style is very impactful very strong style i hit very hard and i what i do is with intent so i um you know i was like that's kind of like a high power sniper rifle so i was like i think 50 caliber would fit my style my name um i see sean sean what's up man he's uh one of the guys i helped train in my facility um but uh it, it just fit and so I carried that around for a while, and when I made it to New Japan Strong, um, I was put into a faction called the Stray Dog Army, alongside Mysterioso and Tyler Bateman. And I was like, Stray Dog sounds very cool. And, like, you know, I grew my hair out. I'm kind of husky, you know. I got, like, some weird facial hair going on. So I was like, I look like a stray dog. Like, I, I can make that work. <laughs> and, and I th think that now, um, just, like, really looking at the landscape of wrestling, there are a lot of guys that are using like play on like gunplay or, you know, outlaws, cowboys, like gunslingers in general. And you've got bullet club, for example. And I don't want to pigeonhole myself in a group with other guys. Like I'd rather stand out. So I'm currently sticking with stray dog, but I'm moving away from 50 caliber. And now I'm letting kind of like my real life frustrations, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, with the business itself. Not that I don't love it, but there are frustrations um, I'm transitioning to bitter Barrett Brown and going to kind of uh, let that run for a bit and see how it works. So I've got, uh, if you're, if you're tuning in, I've got some new merch designs coming, new gears on the way. So you're going to see some, a, a bitter side of Barrett Brown coming soon. All right. I like it. Loving it. Loving it, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, go ahead. Oh no, huge pile. I was going to say we're, we're here, man, because the fact that you asked <laughs> about the theme song and that's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> Now, is yeah. that the one you sent me? 
It is, yeah. Stray dog cometh. Yeah. I, I got that, guys. So and hey, I'm, I'm lucky, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it's funny because like the voice uh, in the beginning that says Stray dog cometh, that's actually me. So he used my voice okay. over the dub in the beginning, full intro, and uh, it's actually. So I'm gonna kind of nerd out for a second. So when I was growing up, I was a big fan of Dragon Ball. That was my show. I loved Dragon Ball Z, and. Um, so I was like, man, if you could like, and there was like a villain that I always loved on that show and his theme song was always so catchy to me. And I was like, Hey, if you can base my song on this guy and like use my word, like straight dog cometh and like, let it drop into like something based off him. That'd be so cool. Dude. He sent me the first draft. I was like, you've already nailed it. I was like, I'm getting like, I've got chicken skin listening to it, but like you like, this is it. And he mixed it. He mastered it. And like, dude, I think within like a week and a half, he already had me like a full blown track. And, uh, I got to play it at New Japan Strong. We had our show at the Curtis Cowell Center in Garland a, a few weeks ago. And so to uh, have his song play at New Japan and uh, my buddy, shout out Wesley Crane, a fellow wrestler in Texas and Oklahoma, uh, made me an entrance video as well. So to have their stuff shown on New Japan, it was it was really cool. We got Donald Patton. I hope that's there. He said, "Hey, coach." Oh yeah, that that's that's old. That's Donnie. That's Donnie Payton. He is. Uh, so I will say, both the guys that hopped in. So Sean Monk and Donnie, they are they are brothers. Um, earlier this year, we unfortunately um, had a sudden loss. A wrestler in Texas named Jason Silver. Uh, Jason Silver was one of my best friends in the business and one of my best rivals as well. Um, he unfortunately passed away. I'm not going to go into detail about what happened, but um, so Sean, Donnie, and then a uh, third, uh, third gentleman, Caleb. Those three are his nephews, and they're currently training under me to be professional right now. That's awesome. So I hope that I can uh, help them carry on Jason Silver's legacy and help them also form their own path as well. So. Well, Kim, Sean, Donald, thank you for coming in the chat. Thank you for everybody that's in the um, um, chat right now. Voice out your questions, man. He's ready to he's ready to go. So yeah. So carry on when we were talking about the theme songs. Yeah. Besides yours, who's your favorite theme song? So, oh, anybody man, you've wrestled with, or <laughs> you know what? I don't know if y'all are familiar with Brian Keith in Texas, but uh, that dude's got—I don't even know what it's called—but his his theme song really like the crowd lights up. Uh, Stacy Brown is my mom. Hello, mom. I've already said good things about you, so you're already over in the podcast. Um, so, uh, but Brian Keith on the Indies is probably my favorite. Um, and also, like on the main stage, you can't go wrong with Cult of Personality. Uh, not yeah. just because he just came back, um, but dude, Cult of Personality is just such a, it, it's just a classic. I'm, I honestly, I'm kind of jealous that I never thought about using it before he, he did. So I'm kind of upset about that. Right. That that is a very catchy, very good song. It's just it's something that just gets you going. Yeah, it does, man. Absolutely. It does. You got pops for that on Saturday night for sure. So what a catchy song. Yeah. yeah so huge pop, if you don't mind, I just want to touch base with Barrett on that. What is your reaction to that? When dude, uh, I got to be a fan for like the first time in forever Saturday. Like I didn't have any bookings this weekend, so I had a couple of friends over, uh, and we got to be fans. And I, you know, I got to react like a fan for once in my life. I was like, you know, this is a moment that we never thought would happen. Let's freak out about it. Why not? And I was like, I, and I, you know, I told someone else, I was like, this is why we do this. You know, th these moments are why this is so special. You know, we go to uh, the difference, like in what we do in, let's say, MMA, you go to MMA to watch a fight, see blood, watch someone get knocked out. But in pro wrestling, you get to feel like you get to feel something. You get emotions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like 20 plus million views on Twitter within like 12 hours. Like, are you kidding me? Like you like people felt something last like yeah. they, they felt something on Saturday. So mm -hmm. that, that's what it's all about. That's why I love it so much. So on uh, on that topic, then we'll get going for with you. Um, do you think that was bad timing for him to come? For that, for that, him to have them to have him come back. Do you think that overshadowed Randy Orton coming back, or do you think that Randy Orton got his pop during the match well enough that it was okay that CM Punk came back when he did? I think that it was done perfectly. Honestly, I think that Randy, like Randy, is timeless. I will say 
that Randy's one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of the best in the world, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I've always said that, I know that Triple H said it on his press thing too, but I've always said that if you were to build a pro wrestler from the ground up, it would look just like Randy Orton. He's just the specimen of a pro wrestler. Um, I think he got his spot. He got his, um, he got his pop. He got his shine. I think that it almost added because no one expected them to, to do it in the same night. Um, and I think that it also just depends on, you know, what they capitalize on tonight as well, because it's not just a one night thing. I think that like, they're going to carry on, you know, into tonight. So, um, I I kind of, I hope that they would start tonight with Randy and I think that they did, which is what they should have done. So I think that they've played it perfectly. Awesome. Awesome. And, and I will say like, no matter what I say, they're making more money than me. So they're doing something right. <laughs> so. right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. There you go. Oh, so we're talking about matches and stuff. You can include your own, but what is your favorite match of all time? It could possibly be one you've had or one that you've watched. So selfishly, if I'm going to pick one of mine, um, I was fortunate enough to wrestle Minoru Suzuki one-on-one um it, 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 that that was the best match i've ever had i learned so much and like i mean it was one of those where i literally felt like i was in a dream the, the entire time it was happening uh, because i've always idolized that man he is the embodiment of what i want to be when i'm an old man like the style that i want to wrestle and just to have uh, that that kind of a match with him and for him to tell me after he was like I very much enjoy that match. You are very good. Thank you so much. That meant like I was like I could retire tomorrow and be happy after that. Like that meant yeah. the world to me. Felt the Um Now, as far as like something that like a match that stuck with me, and uh, if anyone is new that's watching this, um, Donnie, Caleb, Sean, right now this is your homework. Go rewatch WrestleMania 25. Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker. It was the perfect match. It was the perfect match. I, I will, so 26, their match was the better story. 25 was the better match. And I will die on that hill. Thank I you. I will die on that Thank hill. Thank you. No way. Yeah. No wasted motion. They did everything right. It could not have been better. Could not have been better. I'll put that match up against anything on the indies uh, in New Japan, anywhere else. It was the best match of, of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. The only other match I kind of keep up there close to it is Sean. And Bret Hart in the first ever Iron Man match. Iron Man, yeah. Yeah. But that you know, <laughs> Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, man, that match was crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was wild. And, I mean, you know, and it's just because, like, they, they didn't waste any motion at all. And it, it's an example of, I think that I'm really breaking the fourth wall right now, but uh, so many guys, I think that the misconception with wrestling is that they have to rush everything. And um, before I came in this room to talk to you guys, I was kind of talking to some trainees over there. And I said, guys, this is what Killers and Brooks told me. And I've kept it throughout my 14 year career so far. If you think you're going too slow, slow down even more. Seriously own every moment because these people can only remember like six things at a time. So if you do 85 things, they've forgotten most of what you've already done. Like make sure that they remember what you do. And I can almost recite that entire match that they did at WrestleMania 25 because they just did it so, so flawlessly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that match right there, man. <laughs> and I think that, uh, not to go back to uh, Saturday night, but Saturday night's war games for the men's. They did that. That was so much that you could just story-wise, yeah. perfect. I mean, relentless. I mean, everything from the the interaction between uh, you know Randy Orton and um, and uh, Jey Uso. Yeah. I mean, just it was yeah. just so you could pick it apart, and that was so it's so good. They see storylines and stuff like that. So exactly. Now you you faced. I think you went up against Braun Strowman. I think that's what I read. Can you share any of the any cool WWE stories, or are you not allowed to share that stuff because under contract? Or can you let us talk about hey, that? What are they going to do? Fire me? I'm not under contract. So let's talk about it. Uh, <laughs> it's not like Billy Gunn. No, no, no that's good. not where um, that's not where the bitterness comes in, is it? 
No, not a bit. All right, let's go. No. No, <laughs> um, so no, uh, so that was in 2016, August of 2016. Um, mm-hmm. I was honestly at a point in my career around that time where I was very complacent and honestly questioning if I was supposed, like, if I was going to continue to do this because I wasn't going anywhere. I was like doing the same things every week. I was getting <laughs> bitter about it. Um, but I randomly got an email uh, from WWE and they were like, Hey, can you be here on this day uh, for this? And I like, I freaked out cause I'd never had that experience before. Um, so at the time, and I hate to spoil it for anyone watching that doesn't know this already. At the time I was under a mask as a character called Americos. I was the, the star spangled superhero. And so I got to the building. I went to catering with everyone. You know, we signed our tax forms and all the stuff. And then John Cone, who was directing extra talent at the time, uh, he found our table. He was like, Hey, uh, which one of you guys wears a mask? Dude, I immediately, I was like, this guy. (laughs) And he was like, Hey man, go put on all your stuff. Um, and go meet us at ringside. We think that you've got, we've got you with uh, Strowman tonight. So, you know, at the time he was, you know, he was squashing local talent. And so, you know, I got dressed in record time. I went down to the ring. Um, I met with uh, him and our agent was Dean Malenko. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And then, like, I, I vividly remember he just got done with acting class. He was like, hey, man, I'm Adam. Nice to meet you. I got done acting. I'm sorry I was late. Ha ha. And uh, so... You know, we got in the ring, and uh, Malenko was like, "Yeah, I've had him doing this like reverse choke slam, and I, but I want to see if he can like pop you up in the air and then catch you on the way down." He's like, "Is that okay?" And I was like, "Dude, I'm here for you. Like, you tell me what to do, because I know how to play the game." I'm like, "I'm not here for myself. I'm here for you." You know, and so they pulled the crash pad in the ring, and he's like, "I just want to see, you know, how you put your hands if you know, because he didn't know me." And so I, and I wanted to show him that I knew how to base myself. Well, this dude, I didn't even jump. He threw me in the air, and I landed on the crash pad. And Malenko was like, that looked pretty good. He goes, uh, how high can you get him? And he goes, huh, how high do you want him? And I was like, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, he was so cool, man. You know, we got done wrestling, and uh, it was so emotional for me because um, – you know, I never thought like an introverted kid from Little Town Seven Points, Texas, would ever be seen on that stage. And so when I got to the back, I took my mask off and I, just, I broke down. I bawled my eyes out, like happy tears. And um, so Braun got to the back and he bear hugged me. He was like, "Bro, that was awesome. Thank you so much." And then like, and I think the coolest moment was um, I was right by a gorilla position, and I kid you not, like busting through there and like walked up to me was Triple H. And he looked at me, he was like, you good, kid? And I was like, yes, sir. He was like, hell of a job. That was awesome. He shook my hand. I was right. like, you know, hit me up anytime. I'll gladly, you know. Um, so that was, it was such a really, a really good first experience there. Um, and it really like reignited my fire and my passion. You know, I was like, all right, I'm not done. You know, I, I'm not done with this, not by a long shot. Like that, that's what I live for. Um you know, and then uh, in 2018, when I, I tagged with a buddy of mine, uh, at the time he went by Gregory James, we wrestled AOP. Um, my my parents, they I told him, I was like, I have a feeling I may do something on this one. So just like, if you can get a ticket, because they usually buy the tickets anyway if I'm on something, and they did. Um, and I'm glad that I did not think of this before that match. But when we got done with that match, um, that was in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. And when we got done, I went to the back and I called my mom and she was like, she was crying. She was so happy. And uh, I said, Hey, I said, not to make it more emotional, but you just watched me perform in the same building that you took me to for my first live wrestling event. That's wow. when I was like 10 years old. That's cool. Yeah. It was at, at the, in that same building. So that was a really cool full moment for, for me. Right. You know, you talk about your mom, you know, and, um, I uh, lost my mom in October 22nd, you know. Sorry, man. Condolences. And uh, one thing that I think of every day is she was, she is, she she is my favorite fan in heaven. I'm sure she's watching now. She was my favorite fan when she was on earth. And, uh, man, she wanted me to keep on going. And it would have been so easy to say, eh, no. But yeah. the love that she had for the podcast, and she'd always call me up, hey, man, what, you know, 
and I've always, so there's no re, I, there's no way I can stop you know if nothing more yeah. I do I do it for my mom you know so I but I Absolutely. love what I love the mom stories why I guess I'm trying to say and your mom's chiming yeah, in here your mom's going I didn't cry, <laughs> she didn't cry. <laughs> at all yeah <laughs> so, but he was, no, he was blubbering on that phone call. Is what she was doing. <laughs> Mama Brown's the best, you know. Um, don't talk about Mama B. You know, well, so. listen, she is legit like a four foot nine and a half ball of fury. All right, like that's that's Mama B. Your parents have been the biggest supporter. You see, and that's and I think that's the coolest thing. And I know we're yeah. supposed to be talking about wrestling, but moms are moms and dads. There, I've 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 been blessed with an awesome set of parents, you know. And it sounds yeah. like you have too. And um, so it's just. It's just a godly thing of how you were raised and every everything out there like that. So for sure, man. Absolutely. Um mm-hmm. so I had some notes from um of course uh JT sent me some notes. Um he said uh let me see, can you talk about oh wait, talk about your unbridled passion for professional wrestling and you made the statement, you say creating moments for the fans. Can you talk about that? Yeah, my, I mean, man, my whole thing is you never know what someone in that crowd is going through personally. And I consider it my job every time that I step in the ring. I don't care how many people are in that crowd. It's my job to take them away from that for the duration of my match. Um, And if I can be that artist and, you know, use that ring as my canvas and be the paintbrush, if I can tell them that story and bring them into this world and just make them forget about the troubles of like how ridiculously stressful real life can be and make them feel something else other than like, you know, if they've had a horrible day or if they're like going through some kind of like a, a, a depressive spell, like if I can make them feel something positive and, you know, something different, then, you know, that's why I love this. Because when this is done right, you should have them feel in every single emotion imaginable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, you, you see all these moments um, from these mainstream companies where you see like grown men crying and that's when this is the best, you know, because you're seeing these stories un- unfold and like these people that you, you know, you believe in you that you're behind and um, you are just storytellers, man. And that's, that's my main goal is to tell these stories and make these people feel something. Thank you. Rico? Yeah, I don't care who you are, man. When you watched Undertaker retire at Survivor Series, you know, you just... Yeah. 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 Just try to hold it back, but... Absolutely. And, and like, you know, and you said earlier that, you know, a lot of people say that wrestling is fake. And the thing is, is, like, I could go into detail about, you know, the physicality, and I could say, you know, well, we don't have an offseason. But the main thing that I say is, is that the emotions that we feel are real. Like you can't deny the emotions that we feel. That's what makes it real. So, with every uh, wrestling organization you've you've been a part of, which would you say is your favorite? Do you prefer the indies or, you know, kind of the more major like AEW and WWE? Um, so I I would say that I haven't had like really enough of a full blown taste of the inner workings of the main companies like WWE and AEW to really say that I could prefer them over the indies. Um, I, um, I would say new Japan pro wrestling has always been kind of my home away from home for a long time. Um, just because like that, that is definitely my style. I'm very hard hitting, very emotional. And I wear my heart on my sleeve in the ring all the time. So that's how I fit in there. Um, and really, like my and anyone that knows me in my career knows that my ultimate dream is to wrestle in Japan. And fingers crossed that may be happening at some point. Hopefully, it was supposed to be this year, but it didn't. But I'm not gonna again. I'm not gonna be bitter on screen about it. Um, <laughs> but um, I would man the, the independence. You know, like you said, like they're so intimate. Like there's just so something so special about the independence and being able to like just be personable with these fans. So I, I'm, I have like slight bias to the indies just because I haven't got a full taste of how I could tell a story on a, like on a major program like AW or WWE, but I'll just, I'll just say the Indies because you know, that's where my heart lives right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if you had a bucket list, um, what current wrestler or wrestlers would you like to have a match with and that you haven't yet had one with? What would that be? Um, so I, 
I would love to wrestle Will Ospreay uh, because I think that we could tell a phenomenal story. Um, the reason I say him is not just because of what he can do in the ring, but I've noticed he is one of the guys that figured it out the quickest. He came from the backyard and figured it out so fast. And I notice how he tells a story, and I just gravitate toward that man. And I think we could tell a very, very good story in the ring together. Um, and just because, like, I've always been such like a big fan of him, and I think that he's still one of the greatest to ever do it. AJ Styles, I will sing his praises to the mountaintops, man. Um, I would say those two are toward the top, and then I like if I'm going technical, I would say Brian Danielson, absolutely. I would love to grapple with Brian Danielson. Jason Brown. Jay Jay White, Mom, Jay White is up there. Um, yeah, Jay White, I was going to say. Like. <laughs> there, there are so many, man. I mean, like, we are very – so, and, I, and I've said this before, we are in a new golden age of wrestling. Like, you know, there was a time where it was only WWE, and now we have so many options to, to choose from. Like, wrestling, mm-hmm. it's like, it's everywhere right now, and it's so cool. Like, that's why it's so hard to name one person. I, I really can't because there's so many – so much great talent right now. I love what Jay White's doing in AEW. I yeah. I can't. I mean, I love. I love what MJF is. Yeah. But that storyline with how nuts Jay White is. Yeah. That's bad. Mm-hmm. That's a bad. That's an awesome story. That's one of the reasons why I watch AEW when I tune into that. Yeah. So. Definitely. So, I was asked. Um, I also talked to uh, Matt Creed. Um, he said, ask, ask Barrett about his up-and-coming AIWF World Cruiserweight title shot coming December 8th. Yo, I didn't know I could talk about it yet. I'll talk so about it. <laughs> I know I got excited now. Yeah, so, hey, let's let's talk about it. December 8th, I'll be up in Ripley, Tennessee, fighting for the AIWF World Cruiserweight Championship. Um, I've been fortunate enough to hold a few world championships uh, over the years, one being the NWA World Junior Heavyweight, so I'm looking forward to the opportunity, and uh, you know, to take my bitterness in there and to walk out the brand new AIWF World Cruiserweight Champion. Who are you gonna fight? Um, so I know that Gino Rivera had it, but I I know that he he dropped it since then. I don't know who, I don't know the guy that beat him, but he's not gonna beat me. There All you right. go. Shots fired. Where did you say this was gonna be at? Up in Ripley, Tennessee, I believe, is what it's going to be. Um, Ripley. I'm going to see how yeah, far away Ripley, Tennessee. So, um, I, I know, like, I have that. And then the following weekend, I'll be in Arkansas wrestling Jacob Batu. So, that, and that goes in line with, you know, how I get thrown around a lot. That's going to be one of those moments, I'm sure. So, Do you have any any shots to be fired at Jacob Batu? Uh, oh, absolutely. But I'm not going to spoil him on here in case he's watching it. i got to keep right. it a surprise. Oh. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. <laughs> he wants Rico. to hear them shots fired. Yeah, shots buddy. Fired. Oh, man. So who would you say, I mean, obviously you've talked very highly about your mom, but um, who would you say is your biggest influencer in your life? Like in, so in outside of Outside of my parents, um, I'm also very close to my grandparents. Um, my papa, my, my mom's dad. He has also been a, a role model of mine. Um, I, I've had some very, very good male figures in my life. Um, my dad and my papa are both the embodiment of hard work and, you know, working for their family. Um, you know, he's done construction most of his life, and I actually I work with him when I'm not either training guys or doing my own personal training job. Um, he's worked so long that, you know, one time he fell off of a roof and broke his wrist. And when he had the surgery, had the rods inserted, he had to like, you know, be, he was bedridden for over a month. He got like deathly sick because his body did, wasn't used to like slowing down and resting. And it just is because, you know, he did, he did, he knows nothing but hard work. And if I can, you know, invest my life and my time and be half the, hard workers that they are and have the family man that they are one day, then I know I'll have done something right. Awesome, man. Awesome. So looking through your uh, career, I mean, you've been, it's been pretty impressive. You've uh, wrestled against the Motor City Machine Guns. Yes, sir. You went up against the Butcher. Uh, you also defeated Wheeler Yuta. Yeah. 
Um, and I, should be, I should be pure champion right now, dude. Dang it. I know. Bitterness, bitterness. I'm telling Bitter. you. And then <laughs> you went on and defeated Homicide and Ricky Starks. So out of those matches that I just said, which one is would have been your favorite and which one are you most proud of? Oh. It's going to sound weird, but I am so proud of the Homicide Ricky Starks match um, because we just went nuts. And I've always been a Homicide fan. You know, like that dude built New York. He built the scene in New York. And uh, Ricky Starks has always been a really close friend of mine. Uh, we we feuded in Austin for a long time before he really like got the wheels under him and took off. Um, just those two together are magic, and uh, it was really cool like to get to work with both of them because you know they they're they they are the same, but they're also polar opposites. So to kind of to experience both of them at the same time, it was such like it was a melting pot of styles. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if. It's hard to say, man. Like Butcher was also really cool. Um, Yuta was very cool. He was. Uh, I've got a close friend that he doesn't wrestle anymore, but he wrestled as Jackson Stone. He's now. Uh, his name is Aaron Mockabitz. He runs the You Are Loved organization to help mental health uh, because his sister unfortunately passed away due to suicide. So he started a, a mental health organization, and actually Yuta was his roommate. And so we kind of like connected through uh, Aaron and we became good friends and got to wrestle at New Japan. So there's like, they all mean a lot to me for different reasons. So it's hard right. to really keep point one, you know? Yeah. Well, that was a pretty impressive uh, track record. I'm telling you that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that just even touched the surface. I mean, there's lots more I could have yeah. picked from. Yeah. So And I want to also say, like, I know y'all saw me on Dynamite lose to Lance Archer, but let's not forget that I beat Lance Archer in Dallas. I have a win over Lance. I pinned him. All right, let's not forget about that. Lance. So it's just, I, 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 I need a tiebreaker. I wasn't yeah. going to bring that up, but that was on my <laughs> list, too. But, again, Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast loves to stir the pot. So are you going to call him out for one more time? Lance like Archer. Lance Archer. Yeah. Barrett Brown says, let's go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Oh. I, I will also say this, Lance has helped me tremendously. Um, not to really like, you know, put out any business or whatever, but uh, so Lance um, also has been actively trying to help me get in contact with Japanese promotions like Noah. He's been really actively helping me get opportunities as well. So I, um, I'm very fortunate to have Lance in my corner. He's always been a believer in me. We've always had a good friendship. I could literally text him right now. And he'd respond within five minutes. The, the dude is just, he's very selfless. Said about my match with Teddy Hart. That, look, I know that Teddy, like, we're not going to go into detail about Teddy Hart because we've seen the documentaries on Teddy and how, like, his, how negative his track record is. I will tell you, though, wrestling Teddy Hart was like I was in a video game. You know how, like, if you set the beaters to, like, the finisher bar just flashes infinitely? Mm -hmm. I, was, I, was, I was pressing triangle the whole time. That's all the match was, just like finisher fest. It was it was the crazy thing in my life. Yeah, that was nuts. So that's as far as I'll go about Teddy Hart. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> Not going to get in detail on that one. Yeah. Wow, they keep on coming from Melissa Martin. Barrett, you have made such an impact on so many people's lives. Super proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Melissa is um, – so her husband's name is uh, Robert Martin. And he used to run a show in the Willsport area close to where I live. And really, he's the first guy that ever put me on as a heel. So heel, bitter Barrett, the roots were planted at Robert Martin. <laughs> he went by Bobby Midnight. So Bobby Midnight planted the roots of bitter Barrett Brown way back in like 2010, man. So so I appreciate you guys. Thank you all for watching. Bitter thank Barrett's you guys for watching. <laughs> Seriously, thank you for watching, guys. Anybody that's on yes. YouTube, Facebook, Twitch wherever you're watching, hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, help keep this going. Um, we're blessed to have people like Barrett Brown on the show. Um, keep the weekly show going. So um, you got any more? Got a, what's your next question, Rico? So um, I was going to ask, because we obviously love interviewing everybody and we love the promotion CWF. Uh, how did you get involved with them? So they actually, they remember it better than I do, honestly, because I didn't even know that they were there. Um, there was a company that ran in the same town where I grew up at Seven Points. Um, and I think that they just kind of showed up to check out the show. And I like little clean shaven, bald headed, 15 year old Gerber baby looking Barrett Brown was on the show. 
<laughs> doing a lot of like stupid flippy stuff that I don't do anymore because I care about my health. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, no, they just, you know, I they met with me after the show. We talked, you know, we talked about Jesus and religion and, you know, they met my folks and how I was brought up as a Christian. And, you know, they it really started with like the seeds was planted there. You know, they were like, you know, we have this place out here. We'd love to have you sometime. And man, we just fell in love with the ministry. You know, it has, uh, it's not very often, especially in this business, that you find a place like this that has like the same morals that someone like me has. Um, and like, I, and I will say this this is one of the only companies where I will, I can comfortably just pull my wallet out and set it on a table and not have to worry about anyone touching it. That's, that's how much I trust this place. Um, it, and like you said in the beginning, you know, it's a brotherhood, it's a family. That's, that's how it feels here. And, you know, if it's not like New Japan, if but if I'm on the Indies, this is home for me. Like, I love this place. And, you know, they trust me enough to be a part of, like, the booking process. I've been a part of this for the better part of, you know, about 11 years now. And I would not change a thing, man. I would do, I would do it all over again if I could. Wow. Gotcha. So keeping with CWF, I was supposed to ask you, your perspective from sitting on the back row of a 15-passenger van with Ryan Hart and Phil Bishop in Detroit on your way back to the hotel from the church venue after wrestled with Nick, Nikita Koloff sitting in the front passenger seat. I think his face just said it all. <laughs> <laughs> they told me that you wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to get through it. You realize what I'm talking about, so let's hear it. Man, like when you have... Phil Bishop reciting Forrest Gump the entire time, but I mean, but he sounds just like Tom Hanks, yeah. and like I can't like it was one of those you had to be there moments because I was laughing so hard I was crying, like I could not contain myself. And then anytime like that he would turn hard, he go, "We're gonna flip." And this is like Phil. It, like, have you guys talked to Phil Bishop on here before? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It, there's no one like Phil. And He's if you get that. Phil, like if you get Phil at, at like 100% energy, Phil. There's, there's nothing like it. And he was in fine form in that van, and I could not get away from him. It was the funniest experience of my life. I was, like, in fetal position crying so hard. Uh, yeah, it was a phenomenal trip. Um, I I don't know, man. I just – I can't – it goes in line with, like, you know what we talked about. Like, I, I love this place. This is part of the brotherhood, you know. So I can't remember the last time I've laughed that hard, but he, he made it happen. Hey Rico, I think Phil was the guy that uh, didn't like the bullet, the Bible Club. Yes, if I remember yes. right. So, when you when you played the song, he's like, "I'm leaving." Yes, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I'm a follower of the Bible Club. I like the Bible Club, so that'd be a question. Do you like the Bible Club? You, you a fan of them? I do. I do. I like all the guys involved. Uh, their uh, their newest member Luke Nine has actually been out to uh, train with me at my facility. Um, I got to kind of see him really like when he first really was getting his feet wet, That's and to see him like figuring himself out like as a part of a faction and you know winning his first championship here recently. So it's uh, really cool to see. So I, I like success stories like that. So I'm a fan. Yeah, absolutely. Rico, well, you explaining that you train a lot of younger people. Uh, do you? you kind of keep it real with them? Let them know about the, the bitterness of the business. You know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You know, you're going to have some really hard times. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I let them know that there's a lot more to this industry than just what you see on the surface level. Um, I mean, I was not prepared at all when I stepped into all the politics and the backstage antics that really go and play uh, with this industry. Um, but I also told them, you know, like there's, and, and this is from William Regal as well. Like he's, he has said, like, if you just want to be a weekend warrior and be like a local guy, like that wrestles the same place in your hometown, that's fine. But if you care about this and you want to make a living and you want to travel, if you do things the right way, you're going to make enemies. That's just all there is to it because there's going to be jealousy there's going to be people that are going to try to get on your good side just to try to take a shortcut in front of you. Um, and I'm not, I'm not bashing the business at all because not everyone is like that. Not everyone is, but there are at times there can be people that come in and they, they, they care about themselves more than the, than the business itself. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, and it's unfortunate. And sometimes those guys are phenomenal professional wrestlers. 
And, you know, and it's like, you know what, I kind of understand why you, you know, why you're getting a shot. But at the same time, as the person, you know, but that's here nor there. Um, there are a lot of really good guys that are winning right now, though. I think that the positive outweighs the negative in a huge way. Uh, I just think that um, I have a trainee right now who is, he's only 14 years old. His name is Langley. He's figuring it out so fast. And he's already seeing some of the jealousy from some other trainees at another school. And it's to the point to where his parents have tried to like confide in me, like, or what are we doing wrong? I said, you're not. I was like, and I said, you're hearing a lot of noise because you're doing the right things. I said, if you heard silence, that's when you're doing something wrong. But hearing noise, you're doing the right thing. Yep. So now you wrestle. I was just going to tell you what he was saying. Uh, Like with Shawn Michaels back in the day, phenomenal wrestler. Attitude wise, though, (laughs) nobody could stand him. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, like you said, but you could not find a better in ring performer, you know, and how frustrating that must be. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, man. He's such a jerk, but he's so good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's just, you know, that's what I say about CM Punk. He is good at what he does. Yeah. He has no, he, there's a part about him that, you know, he's not, he's going to care. He, you know, what other people yeah. think. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, I've, you know, I've spoken with guys like Daniel Garcia and guys that have worked with him at AEW. And I was like, how was it? Like, how was he to wrestle? And even Daniel was like, dude, he was so nice. Like, he was like, he wanted me to, like, do what I wanted to do. He was so giving and caring. Like, he wanted to help me. And I think that a lot of, and I could be wrong because I've never, I never, like, fully met CM Punk. But there is a gentleman that I know very personally that has quite a rough reputation at different places simply because he's very blunt and straightforward and also very opinionated. Um, and if he doesn't conform to what you are going to tell him to do, that he won't do it. I think it's the same thing with punk um, that, you know, if it's not something that he believes will, that he doesn't believe in, he won't right. do it. And he'll let you know that he won't do it. Right. And he'll let you know that he doesn't agree. I think that he's, um, you know, th- that way to a fault almost. But I also think that whenever he's in the right environment, that he can flourish and he can help his environment flourish. And I do think that right now he has a statement to make. I think that he's hungry. And I think that that's a very dangerous in a good way, CM Punk. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, excited to see what's going to happen. So now you wrestle Indies and you wrestle CWF. And obviously there's a lot of differences between you. You said it, you know, you can leave your wallet out on CWF in the back while you go and you, but other places you don't feel comfortable. Right. How do you, as a as a Christian, as a athlete, transition from this weekend at uh, the CWF Arena or whatever whenever it is, having to now go to another promotion that may not be Christian? How does that work? How is it hard for you to transition? Do a lot of people give you flack, or is it just normal? I feel like now it's normal. Um... I really don't get a lot of flack because I, you know, I let people know ahead of time. I'm like, look, I, I don't do this. If they ask me to do something, I'm like, you know, I, I don't do that. And no one has ever like forced me or tried to like change what I believe in. Um, I think it's because like, I always carry myself with a sense of like pride and respect in the locker room. I try to, you know, be as respectful to everyone as I possibly can be. Uh, I've, I'm just, I, you know, I was raised on the golden rule. That's just what I believe in. Um, and I think that I've, in a way, commanded enough respect from these locker rooms where they already know, like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we can do this on the side, but like, but Barrett's not that guy. But I've also, I'm, I'm fortunate enough where like, you know, if there is some kind of like a moral discrepancy, like sometimes I'm the guy that they come to to ask, like, what do I need to do about this? Like, if I put this situation, what would you do? And I'm very blessed to be in that position. Um, I think that, like, bald-headed Gerber baby bear never thought I'd be in that position. But now I'm in the position of, like, somewhat, you know, like, as a coach that I am. Like, uh, people just want my advice, and I'm more than willing to give it. And I never give them advice that I don't believe in. So. 
and I just don't change who I am. I always kind of lead by example. 100%. So everywhere you've been, has there have you ever worked with somebody that you just you were such kind of a huge fan of and you had to control yourself and not not like let the inner the inner dork of just kind of come right out. Yeah, so young young Barrett had that experience kind of early when I got to wrestle Cowboy Bob Orton. That was oh, wild, man. Yeah. Um, so there's Bobby Midnight. What's up, man? Um, so yeah, Bob Orton was nuts, and uh, that was just so cool. But I would say recently, outside of you know. Minoru Suzuki was a dream, but I never, I didn't have like the, the, the mark out moment. I was like, I'm here to do business. And so, you know, the one that really was kind of like, I need to contain myself because this is about to happen. Um, we had, so when New Japan Strong welcomed American fans back after the pandemic, um, we did a, our first live studio taping. And it was myself and the Stray Dog Army, myself, Mysterioso, and Tyler Bateman. Um, against Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And, dude, being in the ring and, like, hearing, like, Go Ace play on that Tron, like, see his video playing, like, watch Tanahashi play, like, air guitar on the, on the stage. Like, <laughs> I, like Bateman, wa- Bateman, like, walked up to me. He was like, this is really surreal right now. I was like, dude, I know. I'm trying to freak out. This is so cool. <laughs> but and, but like what's cool about that too is like my parents don't always go to a lot of like the out of state New Japan stuff but they did for that one because it was the first live show back for fans they wanted to see me in person in New Japan and so also Tanahashi is my dad's favorite wrestler ever and so he got to watch me wrestle his favorite wrestler I was like that's so cool nice. that is so, cool that yeah. is <laughs> I know I want to respect your time, and I know that they have Bible study in three minutes. Uh, do you have a few more minutes other than the three, or do we need to wrap we it up? We go like an extra five. It's all good. All right, cool. I'm going to get these in real quick. Uh, I Like I said, I take care of foster kids, and they have their questions, and I always ask the, uh, the kid questions. Oh, let's do it. I love it. Come on. Their shoot questions. Favorite yeah. movie? Favorite movie, uh, Shutter Island. TV show. Good. Ooh, TV show. Oh, that's hard because I don't watch a lot of TV. Uh, I'm going to go with my mom's favorite friends. Just generic friends. She loves that show. Music, group, and song. Um, uh, Sleep Token, uh, Ascensionism. Food. Pizza. Okay, then the obvious question, does pineapple belong on pizza? 100%. I'll do it. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Video game. Finally, somebody. I do. I do. I do play video games. Uh, I... I'm like a melted pot on that too. It's like, I'll play really, I'm not big on sports games though. I'll play like, I annually buy the wrestling games, but I don't play like Madden or anything like that. I'm more of like a first person shooter guy. I'll tell you a story about the wrestling game. I bought the wrestling game two years ago. I yeah. bought the, I paid $130 to get the NWO package. Cause that's one of my favorite factions. Yeah. yeah I yeah. played the game twice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's how it usually goes though, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last question is, do you acknowledge the tribal chief? So He's the man. Those, were the, those were the questions yeah. from the uh, kids. Um, and I have a few more. Do you have any more questions, um, Rico? Uh, no, I didn't want to take up any more of his time, man. I just so, really, really appreciate you coming on the show. 100%. No, this was awesome, man. I have two topics. Fans. How important are the fans to you as a wrestler? And do you have any cool interactions that you ever had? What's the coolest interaction you had with a fan? Without the fans, we want we want to be able to do this. <clears throat> um, they they make they make what we do special. Um, that's why the pandemic was so hard because wrestling in front of zero people and filming matches, you had to create your own energy and not being able to like reciprocate that from other people. That was the hardest thing in the world. They 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 make it special. It's their responses that make it special. Um, so uh, a, a recent interaction was with a gentleman I was in uh, in Arkansas, and he brought a, a picture up to me, and it was actually of myself as Americos. I did a meet and greet in the ring um, at another show called CWA Russell Rays. It was also in Arkansas. 
uh, myself, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and there was a lady in the picture with us. And he said, I don't know if you remember this picture from, I think it was like 2014. He said, but this lady is my, uh, was my wife and she was always a big fan of yours. He said, I want you to know that, um, she did pass away recently, but I want you to know that this was always one of her fondest memories. He said, I want to thank you for making that memory for her. And I was like, man, like, I, and then like, I even had, um, there's a shout out to Tino Valentino. Um, I hope that I can, you know, talk about this story because it was like, I hold this to my heart. Um, I actually, I, I hope I don't tear up telling it um, because this was one of the coolest things. Um, I don't talk to Tino Valentino a lot outside of wrestling, but he randomly sent me a voice message um, on, uh, on Facebook and I listened to it and he said, Hey Barrett, I was just wanted to reach out to you, man. And I want to say, thank you. Um, he said, uh, I want to let you know that um, yesterday my dad passed away. He said, but I want you to know that we spent, you know, our last day together watching some wrestling and he wanted to watch one of my matches and I picked yours and mine. And um, he said that that was probably his favorite match I've ever had. And I want to thank you for letting me have one more memory with my dad. And dude, I like, I, did, I had to like, I had to turn my phone off and just like, I sobbed. Yeah. I was like, dude, that, that's, that's, that, that's, that's pro wrestling. Yeah. That's what we do. You can't beat that, man. No. That's awesome. That's awesome, awesome, man. That, that's so, um, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. the part I love most about um, the CWF, the Wrestling With Purpose, is my last question. Can you share your testimony with you? Is there something that happened that you said, oh, I've got it. I'm done. I got to be, I, I've got to give my life to Christ. Um, and can you share that with us or do you have time? So, I wouldn't say that it was really like, because I mean, I've, I gave my life to Christ a long time ago, but I had a moment, <clears throat> not really within the confines of CWF, but um, there was definitely a moment where, um, and I, this is my testimony anywhere that I go. During the pandemic, uh, obviously wrestling was kind of shut down. And so I opened a facility to guys that, you know, would test negative and would want to come in and get help from me. Um, I was in the middle of a session when I got the phone call that Killer Tim Brooks passed away. And my, my goal was to, at some point, either A, get to take the NWA world title, the world junior title to him and show him that I did it. I never got to do that or B get to go tell him that I, I got to go to Japan killer. I did it because he knew that was my dream and he passed away before I got to do either one of those things. And it hit me so hard that I told the guy, I was like, you don't, you don't owe a thing for today, but I've got to wrap it up. I, I can't, I can't give you my energy right now. I need to, I need, I need, I need today. And so he left and I sat on my couch and I just, I turned everything to Christ and I, and I just, I looked in the sky and I remember very vividly, I said, I need you to give me a sign on either if I need to continue to wrestle or if I carry killer's legacy as a trainer and focus on this, opening it up to people. I said, but I need a sign from you because I'm struggling and I'm going to give this all to you. If I continue to wrestle, I need an obvious sign. and I need it soon, please. Within two hours, <clears throat> Rocky Romero called me to book me for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wow. That is awesome. Within two wow. hours, I got that phone call. Yeah. 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 I wow. was like, That's you can't so tell weird. me that wasn't that wasn't Christ. That wasn't like <laughs> killer in Christ up there high five and you know, yeah. like, was like man. Right. And I you know, I had that kind of same moment with my mom when she went with about a day before she passed. Yeah. Two days before she passed, actually, I was, I woke up in sweat. I, I was like, and it was um, me talking to the congregation about how loving my mom was and how much yeah. she did this and this, this. That kind of freaked me out because I didn't, at that point, she was still alive. Yeah. Then I got the phone call, you know, and um, that on the Sunday that she passed away. And I was like, man, I've so been praying all for about, a, it took about three weeks before we got up to do the funeral. And uh, God's, Showed me Psalms 30, 11, and 12, where he talks about um, joy, rejoicing in the morning. 
you know, just finding joy in the morning. And yeah. I got to church that day and uh, I had husbands I haven't talked about, talked with in years. And they just came up and shared stories about how cool Aunt Jeanette was, how cool yeah. Jeanette, you know, this, that, and the other thing, you know, and I'm like, that is so cool. And I, and it just helped me get through that moment because to realize how awesome these people really are, they're part of your life. Absolutely. So, man, I'm like, so, I, so yeah. So I love stories like that. I love, I love it. So, um, man, Barrett, I appreciate your time. Very I know much. that they got a Bible study and I don't want you to, I don't want to get a old uh, Rob Vaughn mad at me. No, we can't have that. He can bring that mo- bitter. We can't do that. <laughs> right. He got bitter mohawk. Bitter mohawk. Ro- I know going to like inflate and grow, dude. We can't have that going on. No, can't. So <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I'm going to play an exit song, but can you hang out for two seconds? Don't go anywhere. You got it, man. And uh, I appreciate everybody, all the um, chatter, all the people in the chat box. Uh, thank you guys again. Thank you Please all very subscribe. much. We're trying to build this more content every day. Thank you. Watch out for more episodes tomorrow and throughout the week. Um, and come in next Monday so we can have another um, Wrestling with Purpose. I'm not sure who this um, guest next week is, but I'm sure JT will let me know. Um, so until then, guys, we love you guys and be blessed. All my dogs, make some noise up in this house. in the house, who is in the house, it's the gangster of destruction, so you know what's going down, and when the drive-by's coming, then you better hit the ground, cause when your body hits a canvas, then your ass is knocked out, who is in the house, who is in the house, it's the gangster of destruction, so you know what's going down, and when the drive-by's coming, then you better hit the ground, cause when your body hits a canvas, then your ass is knocked out, like with Adrian Whisper, it's like a fight with the devil, because when he's dealing with you, you can